Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. I'm James Anderson, your other host. On the show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, or day by day. Mm-hmm. And it's day by day for a, for a little bit now, until the end of time. But it's not day by day until the end of time. Right. It's, uh, I understand what you're saying. But you know yeah, what it is yeah. the end of time for? <laughs> what is it the end of time for? <laughs> Christmas. It's it's his. Oh, that's not funny. I'm so sorry. That's and it's not tr- it's not true though. Well, I mean, his time alive happened at the end of yesterday. Right, but I mean, sorry. What I should say is, but see, we couldn't do that at the beginning of the last episode because then sure. people would have known. So now it's like, hey, his time has ended. This is the end of time right. for him, and like well, this, is... because now we know about his 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 destiny. Right. Right. You know. Uh, right. although Death's if Coco is to be believed, he's still with us, right? You know, because, uh, we're still speaking his name. I haven't seen Coco. Okay. Oh, the, I've heard great things about it, but like movie. I haven't. Actually... If you, if you want to cry, watch Coco. Like cry in a good I, way. I do like, yeah. You know? Uh, Coco was on at this kid's birthday party we were at, but Lila went back to our house to get something and then got lost and was banging on some stranger's door. Oh, good. So I missed much of the movie. Good. She forgot which house we were in. It was cool. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's an emotional story. So, um, yeah, anyway, let's, let's just, let's just get right into it, shall we? Uh, so this is, let's do, let's this jump is right Agent in. Agent Carter, uh, season one, episode three, and we're going to start at 36 minutes and one second, and we're going to mm-hmm. go until the end of the episode. Yes. So Pecky Carter enters the SSR HQ's halls to find many of the fake operators crying. She asks Rose, well, okay, they might actually technically be operators. It's just that they also, we've yeah. had this discussion before. I think it's yeah. a thing of occasionally they do actually do the thing, but I think that most of the time it's their fielding calls for. Because my feeling is always that Rose is the only one, but that can't possibly be because she opens a hidden door right. where all these operators well, can we've see. We've also it's talked not like, about this, speci- yeah. actually, I think specifically because of this scene. I don't think we talked about it on air, but genuinely... Like, they have to know, at least this room of people have to all be agents of some sort, because for them to all, all be crying, Christmas. yeah, that's, I actually had that thought, that, like, he's <laughs> been, like, a serial dater there, um, but they're all crying, uh, and so, yeah. and so that's, that's the purpose, right? So they're, they're crying, mm-hmm. she asks Rose what's going on, and she tells her about Krasminski's fate. The mood is incredibly somber in the offices, and it's fascinating to me. Because uh, it's not that the office is necessarily bright, but this is like lighting wise and color wise. They do a very good job of setting the tone here. Uh, And when she walks in the bullpen area, it is silent for the first time in the entire series. And I think silent basically for the last time. There's one other scene where it does get a little silent as well, but Mm -hmm. we'll come to that. Um, There are flowers on his desk. And uh, as she passes by it, Sousa says, it really puts you back there, doesn't it? Somebody buys it and you realize it could happen anytime, any day. She asks how it happened. Thompson tells her it was a professional hit. Sousa says he knew something was fishy about the call. They must have been watched at the scene. Sousa swears he'll find that bastard that did this. Dooley walks out of his office and tells them to never forget that Krasminski would still be here today if it wasn't for Howard Stark, whether he pulled the trigger or not. They are neck deep in this mess because of him. 
He tells them to have action plans on his desk in one hour and to stay vigilant, finishing off his statement with, I'm not losing any more of you. Now I gotta go call Krasminski's wife. Then there's a beat, and Thompson says, I'll call his girlfriend. We'll come back to that. That evening, Peggy goes to the automat. Both she and Angie freeze when they make eye contact. Angie goes back to her business, still clearly upset. Peggy sits down at the counter. Angie, ever the professional, says, The usual. Peggy confirms. She puts down a coffee mug and fills it for her. Anything else? Peggy struggles to get it out, but says that she would like to tell Angie about her day. Angie softens a bit and says it would be a nice change. Peggy tells her that one of her co-workers died today and that it was sudden. I know how you feel, blindsided, like when my cousin Ralphie got hit by a bus. Granted, he did just knock over a newsstand, but still, big shock. I love Angie. Her delivery on yeah. things is incredible. It's impeccable. Mwah. 10 out of 10 character. No notes. Did we do Golden Girls at the beginning yes, of, of an episode? <laughs> we did. Did we say that she's Sophia? Because she's absolutely we said, Sophia. We, we definitely had her in the mix. Picture this. Sicily, 1927. That's an Angie. That's basically <laughs> Angie. Angie is Sophia in the 80s. Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, Peggy laughs a little through her tears. She isn't sure why this death hit her so hard. She wasn't close with him. He was a brute, a cheat, disrespectful, rude, but he was good at his job. Angie sympathizes with her. A man asks for a refill, interrupting them. Twice. Peggy asks if there's still any schnapps. Let me get this jerk his refill and I'll clock out. I think that jerk quite fancies you. Shut up, English. You talk too much. And then we do kind of like this nice little zoom out and like look at the uh, automat and it sort of like pulls back and stuff like that. And all the while underneath there's this musical bed and it really sort of builds up to the end and then boom, that's the end of the episode. Uh, so let's talk about some stuff. Uh, I have two things of note. Uh, I think one of them is probably also one of your notes. Uh, and then also, uh, of course, just the, the song that's playing underneath. Uh, but also, you know, I want you to talk about your thoughts and what have you about this scene first. Uh, sure. Uh, first of all, uh, do you want to hear my impression of Rose, uh, greeting Peggy in this scene? Yeah. Oh, Peggy pretty good um <laughs> okay uh second well there's a larger question about what we do when someone who was awful uh dies mm -hmm. that is maybe too large a discussion for this podcast maybe mm -hmm. but like i think it's interesting because like i think it's very gracious that she says you know he was he was a you know a jerk and a cheat but he was good at his job i think it really depends it, on how close they are to you and also sure. or, and when i say close to you i don't mean like because like remember she says like i wasn't particularly close with him but like but she didn't right. work with him so she was sure. proximity wise close to him every day sure. for a while and so like that's why this sort of thing would affect her right right and also of course yeah. she can't say this but also she does sort of blame herself for his death sure uh right. and she can't say that you know but like that also uh leads into it right but I, I, I think that that is the, the situation. I think that, like, yeah. if there's someone, like, okay, for example, when a dictator in another country dies, gets taken out, whatever, right? 
we can be like, hey, you know, good for them for like having, like for this country rather to have like to be out from under this person's rule. But like, you don't feel sad. You don't feel bad. You know, you, you kind of are like, hey, you know, glad that they're out of that bad situation. But then you just sort of move on, right? Um, yeah. I don't think that like when they're when someone's bad or whatever, I don't think we really tend to, unless they have a direct effect on you. I don't think we tend to dwell on them. Hmm. I think that we dwell on the deaths of those who actively affect us, whether it's they affected us terribly or they affected us like in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. um, and the way we reflect on that is very different on, in those situations, mm -hmm. but I think that's really the only time. I agree with that. I, uh, I mean, the only thing that I have for this episode is literally um, it, Avengers Ensemble, ready? Mm -hmm. The... Uh, there's not even time to do the uh, the theme song. The automat cu customer who needs a refill is a man named Rick Stedman. So, Colin, <laughs> I think that is um... okay. Oh, the the other thing is that I get really stressed out with I need action plans on my desk in an hour, and I know that they probably know what that means. Mm -hmm. But a little bit, I feel like there's a there's an episode of The Office where Jim has to put together a a rundown. Mm -hmm. uh, Idris Elba's character asks him for a rundown, and he doesn't know what that means. Right. But he has to pretend like he does. He should ask, but he doesn't, and he sort of digs himself into a hole. I feel like that with action plan. I'm like, an hour? Well, what does that action plan look like? Like, is it just a plan? Like, is it? Well, is there I, a I was going to say, that's probably definitely something that they're all. Um, yeah, they know what it on. is. Yeah. But I also think that, like, for example, as much as he says, I want action plans, like, from all of you on my desk, right? I also think that there's definitely people in that right. office who that is not their expertise. Sure. So, like, I'm sure if, you know, if uh, Craig, who's like, mm -hmm. hey, I literally, I like, my whole job here is, like, I'm, like, your uh, transportation expert. Sure. I know nothing about investigation. Like, I... You know, like, I think that he's not going to be like, well, Craig, I want an action plan on how we're going to utilize every vehicle in our, you know. No, I, I think he's going to be like. Right, like motor pool guy right. is not right. I, I think. But also you could have like Sousa and Yauk right. collaborating I, I think, on, yeah, we came up with exactly, this. Exactly, yes. Yeah. I think for sure if it's like, uh, hey, every single one of you have a separate file or if it's like Thompson, Yauk and, uh, and Sousa have, you know, been yeah. sort of spitballing in the conference room and this is the plan they've got together. Um, yeah, I think that that's also acceptable. Morning time is over. That's what he's not he, action plan or not. He's basically like back to work. in an hour. We're going to be doing stuff. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. I really, I mean, even that is saying we're going back to work now. It's like you yeah. can work and, and reflect, but like in an hour, like by the end of the hour, like you need to yeah. be ready to, instead of be morning, you need to be ready to uh, yeah. honestly avenge. Yeah, don't, right. I mean, that's really kind of what it is. Um, right. It's sort of the very first Avengers ensemble, really. Uh, I mean, assemble, yeah. fuck. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, yeah. I want to talk about a, a moment here in this scene yeah. that we talked about off air a lot. Uh, and by a lot, I mean mm. like for a couple minutes. Mm. This is the first, I would say, powerful scene yeah. in the entire show. And yeah. I understand that he's a womanizer and that he was a cheat and all that other stuff. It feels weird that they included the joke of I'll call his girlfriend. I I think it's a... Have I you come around that, to it, it? 
it's a line that I think is interesting. I think it's a complicated line because I'm not sure it's played for, I don't think it's a joke. I think it is. That's interesting. I think that there's a, there's a like humor it. to it. It feels like one, but you also have to consider like Thompson is the, is sort of like the assistant coach. Mm -hmm. So it's like, he knows his responsibility and someone cares about Krasminski. What your feelings on infidelity right. aside, there is a, there's a, someone who's going to be looking for Krasminski and would not find him. And so just, well, there's a yes. care to it. Um, here, here's where my thought on that is, is I feel like if that's the case, you can do that in silence. Right. I, I think that, you know, if you if you needed to if you needed to have that moment, you could say that like in a later scene of like, you know, like they're going over something to go, where's Thompson? It's like he's calling Krasminski's girlfriend. Right. And then he walks in and, and like having clearly hung up the phone is like, hey, here's this file. Right. Like, I think that you can do that to show the care. But like to me, it's it's the fact that it's like I, I got to go call his wife. And it's like the most somber thing. And like it's it's if if it was like like I got to call his wife and then he said immediately I'll call his girlfriend like kind of sad right I mean yes he says it's sad but it's the fact that there's like a full on beat where it's like everyone has yeah. to sort of contemplate it and he goes I'll call his girlfriend right like it feels I mean, like you're, he doesn't say it like that no no that's true <laughs> but like it feels like they're like they're like taking freeze the moment. frame on him credits produced by Henry Winkler right. like we're not it feels a little bit like they're like okay and here's the bit it's know? it's a little bit of a callback though too, isn't it? Because I think when Krasminski is trying to get, to get someone to cover Peggy for to his, stay, yeah, for his date. it's like my wife such and such, and then I think Peggy says, "Well, what about your girlfriend?" or something like that. Right. Yeah. And I think that I mean, like, I don't. I I think I there think is a humor he, to oh, it. Sorry, my bad. I, I think there's a humor to it, but I don't think that it is. I don't think it's it's a, a joke at Krasminski's expense. I think it's just... No, I, I'm not saying it's at his expense. I think that it's like more of like for our benefit kind of thing, which is what is mm. weird to me about it. Like, it feels like they're like, oh, because we've been sad, let's give them one little, you know, ha-ha. Like, I don't yeah. know, to kind of break the... Mm. To break it up a little bit. I, and I don't know if that's because that's also my instinct right. is to do that same thing. But I don't... It doesn't feel gratuitous to me, and that may be just a difference in in reading, a difference in in you know interpretation. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely use humor to cope sometimes. Uh, yeah. In times where maybe it's not the most beneficial time, but I'm like, I don't know how else to interact with this moment. I've this I, I, like it's sometimes it's a comfort thing like if i'm too uncomfortable mm -hmm. i'm like i've got to change the mood or something because like it's i can't do this so let's let's talk about one last thing before we get out of this episode yeah. and that is someone yeah. to watch over me by ella fitzgerald mm. or performed by ella fitzgerald um so i'm going to read uh do a little dramatic reading here of, of what we of, of the lyrics here I think this is not the official Ella Fitzgerald recording. I could be wrong, but uh, MC Wiki has some, you know, one of those like 2010s, you know. Oh, interesting. Period singers. Because what happened was but, is I. Uh, 
it's a standard and it right. is sung by Ella Fitzgerald. Like it's <laughs> what's weird is that like I did a thing where it was playing on a speaker and so I was like, hey, what song is this? And just held my yeah. phone up and it told me that it was this version. Uh, but right. maybe the other version's not like recognized enough. Copyright free sort of deal. Maybe. Like, um, or at least it, when it's a cover, you uh, can you can uh, you set a different statutory rate. I wish that we had a different term for that. That is a, yeah. I gotta tell you, it is a very difficult thing to talk about. But um, no, there's yeah. a different rate for doing a cover. And then if you own the cover, you can do your own video sync license without having to pay extra versus right. uh, if you're using the original. So so that's also the possibility there. So it, it might yeah. be someone else, but it's a, initially a Gershwin. It's an Ira Gershwin. Yeah. Um, I guess George and Ira, right? Right. Um, George did the music and I did the lyrics. Right. I, I think so. So here, here's the lyrics. There's a saying old says that love is blind. Still, we're often told, seek and ye shall find. So I'm going to seek a certain lad I've had in mind. Looking everywhere, haven't found him yet. He's the big affair I cannot forget. Only man I ever think of with regret. I'd like to add his initial to my monogram. Tell me, where's the shepherd for this lost lamb? That was the first bridge. Uh, verse three, there's a, uh, there's a somebody I'm longing to see. I hope that he turns out to be someone who will watch over me. I'm a little lamb who's lost in the wood. I know I could always be good to one who will watch over me. Although he may not be the man some girls think of as handsome, <laughs> to my heart, he you carries mean, the key. Mean dog face hands. Freckle face hands, the dog face boy. My God. I love how much that's like, I'm going to slightly put this man on blast, but I love that so much. Won't you tell him, please, to put on some speed, follow my lead, oh, how I need someone to watch over me. Won't you tell him, please, to put on some speed, follow my Lido, how I need someone to watch over me, someone to watch over me, right? Like, so here's mm -hmm. here's why I think this song is Love playing. Song. I, I think it's an amazing song. Yeah. I think that what Sousa said, I think might be the reason that it also hit her so hard. Okay. I think about how, you know, again, she didn't necessarily like this guy, but it still was a colleague and someone that she did, I think, respect. Um, yeah. Again, because he was good at his job and all that other stuff. But I think that the line of, um, hang on, let me find the direct line. Uh, it really puts you back there, doesn't it? Somebody buys it and you realize it could happen anytime, any day. And they start to play this song, right? Yeah, you know, during the, the exiting of that scene and then her going to the automat and then all that. I think part of this reminds her of of uh, Captain Rogers. Mm -hmm. I think that she, you know, had this guy who, especially in the beginning, maybe people wouldn't have called handsome, but she kind of liked him. Uh, but you know, she she lost this guy, and like you know now, and she needs someone to watch over her. And I think also it's this thing of like, I mean, she can take care of herself, but it's still like, sure, someone really should have been there with Krasminski, and no one watched over him, and. Mm. In the end, he he's gone, you know. And also, yeah. even if someone had been with him, considering what we know to come out later, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it was also as a professional hit. Like, could two people really yeah. have? No, I mean, the guy, the other guy died too. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think that there's, there's this thing of like, it harkens back to some of the loss that she's already had as well. Yeah. And she's still yeah. contemplating that. Um, 
And actually, here's one last little fun thing that I had uh, forgotten about, and I just saw in my notes here as I scroll back down. Do you notice? Did you notice anything else of sort of significance uh, in this scene that also sort of harkens back to a Captain Rogers thing? That's kind of nice in a way. Um, tell me. Before Steve Rogers goes into the chamber, he sits down with Erskine, and Erskine tells him a story Schnapps. about his his town. And they talk about schnapps, but then they don't get to have it. He goes, is there any schnapps left? And he goes, mm, not as much as there should have been. I'm sorry, my friend. And then he dies. Yeah. Well. Schnapps is like the friendship drink of the MC. A little bit, or at least in the 40s. But yeah. the thing is, is that, like, she saved the schnapps. Mm-hmm. So when she says, do you still have any schnapps? And she's like, let me get him this refill, and we'll go have some. So, like, this is kind of like a cute thing in a way where it's like, Steve Rogers didn't get to circle back and have that moment. But right. she does. I think um, that there is something. I know that all of the lyrics in the verses can uh, go against what I'm about to say. But I think having this scene where Peggy realizes that she needs to have a friend outside of work, like that she can confide in and whatever, mm-hmm. she sort of needs Angie to watch over her oh, just yeah. as she watches over Angie. Is like Correct, yeah. There's a thing there that's like, you know, all of the verses about like, there's a guy that I'm thinking of, you know, all the whatever. But like the idea of someone to watch over you, it's so funny because it's, it's, I mean, it, it, this is why it's a great lyric is because it's someone to watch over me, like someone to protect me in like a romantic way. Right. But there's someone I, to I protect yeah. me and then someone to mourn me, mm. like watch over in like a wake sort of way. Yeah. Um, and I guess the only other thing that I have, uh, with regards to this scene with with Angie is it's so her saying I think I'd like to tell you about my day to someone that's mad at her made me just absolutely just tense up so much because it's putting this power in Angie's hands to say well I don't want to hear about it and it's Angie has previously established that she does want to hear about it and this is Peggy growing as a person Mm -hmm. but for me I haven't grown like that as a person, and that's actually something I'm working on, which is like, I need to tell you about my day. I, I totally get what you're saying, but I, I want to specify that I think that where where you're coming from, I think makes total sense, but I want I want to reframe this for you, okay? right? Okay. And to say, let's say that your complaint to me was that I only ever talked to you about timeline scavenger stuff. I never talked to you about anything else. Okay. And I'm like, that's not true, right? And we have an argument about it. And then the next day I come back and I'm like, so when we record on Sunday, right? And like, and I keep talking about timeline and you're just like, dude, like, just we'll talk about it on Sunday then, right? Like, and you kind of get mad at me, right? Mm-hmm. But then I have a really like shit time or whatever. And it's like, you know, you keep trying to tell me stuff about your day, but I'm just like ignoring it or whatever. But then one day I come in and I go, hey, um, so I watched a movie today and you're like expecting it to be a Marvel thing. And I'm like, uh, so I just watched the the newest Pixar film. Have you seen this? And you'd be like, even though you're furious that I've just been doing nothing but timeline stuff, you'd be kind of mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, he's reaching out. He's, mm-hmm. he's doing the thing I said I wanted to do. Yeah. All right. Let's cause like, cause I feel like you would then be like, why would I be mad at him for wanting to talk about Pixar? You know? Sure. Sure. I mean, I I do I would well, first of all, 
I wouldn't have the thing at first. But I also well, he wouldn't have the thing because he hasn't shown up in the MCU yet. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Sorry, I wouldn't have been upset with you about the you know the initial thing. But if we got into that situation, you're right. I wouldn't hold a grudge. I would ever. However, that's me that I can control. If I'm the one who's eating crow, should I have put it in the other way? Yeah, yeah. Mm. If it was you. I would have a really tough time coming to you and telling you that I had just watched a movie or whatever. Even if it's what I wanted to hear? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Because it because what if I'm doing the thing you said you wanted to hear and then you're mad at me so you don't... Because it's not just I watched a movie, it's I had a really bad day. Right. Someone, like, can I tell... I'd like to tell you tell you about my day is putting it out there in a way that's like, this feels mundane, but it also feels like it's not mundane. I have a big electric fence around. You were previously mad at me, and you said you wanted me to do mm. this, but I can't do it while you're while you're mad. We have to make up, and then I'll tell you about my day. You know what I think it's also is now that I'm thinking about it. Like you saying that, you, I think also unlocked a new piece of this for me, which is that. It's also not that she wants to sit down and talk about her day about the good or bad. I think Angie can tell that things are bothering her. Absolutely. And I think it's kind of like therapy, really. It's like if she's like, you Absolutely. need to talk to someone. Like it is clear that there is something disturbing you and you're just like ignoring it, right? So like she's like, let's have some drinks and let's talk about it. And she's like, oh, not now's not a good time. She's like, well, fuck me for asking, I guess. You know, it's like, yeah. why do I bother caring? Right. Which is also, <laughs> it is funny to me how quickly Angie does immediately be like, okay, I'm mad. But at the same time, Angie has proven, I think, before and will continue to prove that she's a ride or die, you know? Absolutely. We've had this situation, you and I. Where I've been like, Colin, I want to hear about your worries or your or your whatever. And you're like, no, you don't want to hear about it. And I'm like, I'm telling you, I want to hear about it. Tell me the thing that you're worried about, Wait, about X, Y, or Z. There's like, I have specific memories of being like, stop telling me that I don't want to hear the thing and tell me the thing because I'm telling you that I want to hear the thing. Like, wow, I don't stop. recall this at all. It, it it's I'm not giving specific enough details because I don't remember specific details, but like full disclosure, I had to go to I had to talk to Kristen and my therapist about it because I was like, <laughs> I don't want to intrude on Colin's <laughs> life, but I also want him to shut the fuck up and conversely also tell me about it. Okay. <laughs> Stop saying I don't want you know, you you don't want to hear it and start telling me the thing. Mm. Anyways, so I don't remember the specifics, Good. but we have had this before. And if you had been like okay, fine, here we go. Yes, I would have been like, finally. And maybe that's what Angie's feeling like. So you're Angie and I'm... Oh, interesting. I mean, it's not... It would also explain... It's not all wrong. Nope, never mind. Just gonna... Hmm, okay. Okay, so... Were you about to tell me that you're as attracted to me as you are to Lindsay Fonseca? No. Because you no. should get that on tape. <laughs> that wasn't what I was going to say. It was more about <laughs> the way I view you and Rachel. Um, and, oh, yep. And certain interactions of it. So anyway. Uh, yeah. But let's 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 not get into that because, again. 
she's an actress and so she's empathetic is how I interpret it. And oh. so she can read the she can read the emotions that Peggy thinks that she's concealing because she's an actress. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, she because I think maybe also as much as Peggy thinks that she's a good actress, she's she's you know, she wears sometimes her heart on her sleeve. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I the final thing I'll say here before uh, I cut out is just simply that you were talking about needing an outside friend. And I do yeah. think that also part of the purpose of this series is to prove that Jarvis can be that. But yep. they're not on that level yet. And I think that also right. currently, just because of certain situations, there is just enough distrust between them. Yeah. That, oh, for sure. I mean, like, like it's it like that'll be fixed essentially. Like, I, I mean, I don't want to like spoil anything, but I think it's more of like that is. I mean, it reminds me of Hallmark movies, right? Where there has mm -hmm. to be that one miscommunication so that you can come back together stronger together in the end. Right. I think that that's what this is. Is that like she yeah. was starting to get to that point with Jarvis, and then it got a little broken. And then she realized yeah. that because Phillips isn't around, Rogers isn't around, you know, the Howling Commandos are off doing their shit. It's like, who does she have left? She doesn't have anybody. And like Angie has proven that Angie wants to be there and be that person. Right. So she shouldn't keep her at arm's length. But because Angie isn't, she needs someone that's a part of the life, but not a, a co-worker necessarily, which is where Jarvis comes right. in. Right. And then you get into the, the age old Especially in the forties, can men and women, a man and a woman, yeah. be platonic best friends? The answer is and yes. They, yes, but Anna is not a wrinkle, but a. I understand an interesting complication I understand, to it for sure. Yeah. Um, so. But anyway, that's that. Yeah. So uh, if we have nothing else, why don't we do <sighs> recommendation? Sure. Yeah, shall I uh, shall I uh, break into that vault and pull out a, a recommendation? Yes, yeah, let's break into the vault. Well, this is coming out on the thirtieth. Colin, guess what? What? As we record this on November second, twenty twenty two, it is the second day of NaNoWriMo. Mm -hmm, sure is. When this episode comes out, barring any Black Panther pickups or or, or weirdness that whatever. It'll be uh, November 30th, which is the last day of NaNoWriMo, which means that the people who uh, are listening to this when it comes out have a full month of Wet Hot American Moon Juice season four to to listen to. And then going into December, uh, three more post-interview episodes to listen to. So it's a chill year at uh, Wet Hot American Moon Juice, Colin. It's, mm. it's our chill year. Chill year. We're not taking things too seriously. We're getting writing done. Have you We're not taken worried anything about... seriously before on that show? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Dude, I've finished, I've finished NaNoWriMo both years. <laughs> no, sorry. I, I recognize that part. I meant more of you all are very goofy to me. So I was like, you've taken hmm. things seriously, but I get what you're saying. You're right, Colin. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but normally we take our writing take very seriously. seriously. That makes sense. And this year, at the end of last year, uh, last season... Basically, the conclusion that we reached in all of the post-interviews was, what if there was a different thing besides NaNoWriMo official branded 50,000 words? What if you didn't have to do that? Would that be welcome? Would you write more or more comfortably or whatever? And the answer across the board was absolutely. So uh -huh. we're, we're basically getting writing done, but not breaking our, our own backs to get the right amount of words sure. counted. Understandable. So, but it's going to be a fun year. There are some great projects. My projects, my project is just about as Jamesy as it could possibly be. Um, 
it involves random number generator of course it does. Uh, different formats and genres and a thing i saw on twitter as the the backbone beneath it all okay so <laughs> um that is what hot american moon juice uh wham juice pod on twitter uh and we have episodes that come out i think uh, each tuesday of november and then basically like the last three days of october and the first three days of december are pre and post interviews and that's every year until we decide not to do it so um so that's going to do it for uh, Time and Scavengers for today. Colin, I enjoy talking about all this stuff. And even the, mo- the most minuscule episode can get some really good conversation. I agree. Really Same like with that. you. And I just wish you would talk yeah. to me about more episodes of other things as well. But, you know, it's okay. Why don't you get all the way off of my back? So <laughs> that's going <laughs> to... That's a, that's, a, that's a Ryan George. I can't, I can't steal that. That's, um, that's a pitch meeting thing. Um... But, listener, uh, we're going to talk to you very soon. uh, But for now and for the foreseeable future, I am James Anderson. I am Colin Parker. And let's see. The last order of business that I want to tell you was, oh, um, Excelsior. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.